Welcome to the 3v3 Podcast, a weekly look at the world of hockey with your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. Hmm. So, we had a question. I suppose we're, we're at that point. Yeah. Um, would you like to re-ask your question, Pat, or would you like me to? No, I, I've got it, and I think I can put it in pretty simple terms. Uh, what building, any league, any era, you know, past, present, or future, would you like to go see a game in today, if given the chance? I shall defer to Patrick first. Well, it's, for me, it's, I know we've sort of joked last last episode about this being a 35 part deep history <laughs> but really it's one and it's the forum in montreal i never got a chance to go to see a game there and that's that's just it it, it killed me that i didn't get up there before they before they moved into the centre <laughs> the phone booth just <clears throat> Because it was not built for the Habs, it was built for the Wanderers. The Habs just took it over. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the whole original one, not the original six, but the original one. And just, you know, and if you're sitting there going at any point in history, I got to go back to the 70s teams. I got to go back to the 70s. I want to see Big Bird play in his prime live. At the forum. That'd be cool. Just, just, you know, sitting in those seats where Patrick Waugh famously snuck over to tell Ronald Corey, I played my last game for you because, you know, there was no glass behind the bench on the home side. The seats were just there. I mean, that's, oh, God, yes. They don't build them like that anymore. So I too went to Montreal, but I went um, back further because um, I could. <laughs> uh, I went with um, the Victoria Skating Skating Rink. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. See, I tried the, to pare my list down. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> that opened in 1862. That hosted the um, Montreal Amateur Athletic Association's Montreal Hockey Club, mm-hmm. and the Stanley Cup was there. Was won for in four different seasons: eighteen ninety three, eighteen ninety four, nineteen o two, and nineteen o three. So for me, it would be more of a one to see the building, you know, it's like how many how many public buildings, sports facilities are still around from the 1860s, um, <clears throat> and two to see if Montreal fans and media were as bad then as they are now. <laughs> it's <a> scientific experiment. <laughs> <laughs> Now, why do you say that? My, my social scientific experiment. What? Media has always been media. I just, I think it'd be interesting to see if they still showed up, you know, dressed to the nines like they did for all those years in the forum. Oh, yeah. No, that's probably where it started. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's the other side for me is just to experience that crowd. 
you know, having that's that that sort of 70s era is when a lot of those guys from the 40s and 50s teams were still alive and going to the games. So you had, you know, the likes of Henri Richard and and um, oh god, my mind is just blank. My mind is fried today. You had those famous old Canadians that were still, you know, done up in a suit and tie and sitting there in their in their thronal area. <laughs> in the in the stadium getting recognized in your missions and you know the half the crowd done up in complete and utter suits and the other half in their big you know furs and scarves and yeah plus the 70s man bell bottoms <laughs> 70s yeah so i narrowed my list to one all right pat what do you have i definitely did not narrow my list um uh, and the trend Part of me uh, wanted to say, I think it, it goes by a different name now, but I kind of wanted to say Phillips Arena in Atlanta because I loved the idea of kind of having a press wall. I liked it. It was I liked that arena actually. That just uh, seemed like a cool optic to to it, watch a game from. It can it, it had a had a opera box kind of feel about it. Yeah, exactly, know? and like. So I've been to, I think at this point, I've been to half the arenas in the league, give or take. Um, it depends where the Islanders are playing this week. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, they some of them kind of all feel generic. Yeah. So I kind of wanted to go a different route. And I... A couple of years ago, I definitely wanted to do kind of a uh, junior hockey tour, do a CHL tour, but I think my choices actually came down between two buildings, um, one older and one and one relatively new, and that's uh, Yost Arena and Ralph Inkelstead for an NCAA game. Mm. Um, at least with Yost, you look from the outside and it does not look like a sports facility. It just looks like an old building. Um primarily because it is, uh, but just something about that, you know, old brick veneer with large windows where light is actually emitting into the building. Heck yeah. Uh, yeah. Seriously. <laughs> Sorry to um, go on. <laughs> it, it speaks to me and kind of like the idea of having a practice there early in the morning when the sun is rising just seemed really cool to me. And then everything I've heard about Engelstead arena is just, it is like, I mean, it probably outdoes whatever's Rogers, Scotiabank, whatever is in Toronto, whatever it will be named next week. Um, it, it probably outdoes bell center in, in terms of just amenities and look and feel. So for so, the kids at home, would you please tell us where, what schools these belong to and where they're at? Um, if I have to. So, yeah. uh, uh, University of North Dakota fighting whatevers, uh, fighting Hawks, though no one calls them that. Uh, I play at Ralph Engelstead Arena, which it's named for a... Uh, Oh, I forget his full story, but he's a donor, and there was some controversy behind his donation to get this building built back uh, 2000 or 2001. And it is basically an NHL-level facility for an NCAA program. It's in Fargo, and, right? Uh, it's in Grand Forks. Oh, okay. Grand Forks. Um, 
And then Yost Arena is the University of Michigan's arena in Ann Arbor. Uh, it used to be called uh, Yost or Yost Fieldhouse. It used to host uh, both the basketball and hockey programs. And um, I think sometime in the early 90s, the basketball team moved out and it's been exclusively for hockey ever since. And just if you've ever spent time in Ann Arbor, it it is a big, it feels like a big city college town, if that makes any sense. Uh, I live in North Carolina. I'm surrounded by multiple universities. Um, but the universities themselves feel like very small places in larger, either a small, like, think, you know, northeastern New England town where the school is the only thing, or it's, oh, you just happen to be a city, you you just happen to have a large university in the city and no one really thinks about you. But Ann Arbor is kind of a, a different creature for me. Um, it's a very cool place and just kind of the aesthetics of their football stadium and their, their, their newer basketball facility and this, it just kind of, you know, ups the ante. It, it would create a experience beyond just going to a hockey game. So... I've been to Ann Arbor. I haven't been, I've only been once and um, somebody was driving me around. So I never got to see, I did see the football stadium, the big house, which is interesting because from street level, you have about, you know, 20 seats above street level. So mm -hmm. it doesn't look like it's big at all unless you're trying to drive around it. <laughs> but even but, then, it looks no more massive than any other kind of athletic outdoor athletic facility. Right, right. I mean, and and uh, and so you know, when you see the pictures of the interior of the stadium where they it seats one hundred nine thousand now, something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's massive, but from street level, it's like it doesn't look like anything because exactly. it's all dug down. <laughs> And you're literally, when you go there, um, at least to the football stadium, which is a couple blocks from Yost Arena, you're literally parking on the University of Michigan golf course in order to attend a game there, which is kind of funny. I mean, you're you're parking right next to sand traps and, and greens. I had so to do that going to Levi Stadium in uh, uh, Santa Clara. <laughs> I went there for the outdoor game between San Jose and L the LA Kings a few years ago. And we were, we were parked on a golf course right next to it. And I'm like, you build a massive new football NFL stadium and you don't have parking. You're Wait, making uh, people park on golf courses. <laughs> which is further proof to me that golf courses are just the largest waste of valuable space and known to man. Uh, they're an environmental hazard, but that's another story entirely for a different podcast. Oh, they're they're environmental hazards for multiple reasons, <laughs> not just because of the gross amounts of polyester and unnatural. And no, I was talking about like. Wait, yeah. Patrick, are you talking about golf or or certain college campuses? Because golf, I mean, they sound one and the same right now. Um, old men driving cars just to carry around their bats, wearing ridiculous amounts of polyester colored and hues not available in any of the spectrum that I'm aware of simply to go play fetch with themselves. 
Still sounds like certain college campuses that I this uh, is, may or may this not is work near. True. This is partially true. Oh, I mean, you pay gross amounts of money to go do this to yourselves. So, yeah. On a regular basis. Yeah. 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 Having Just, worked at golf courses and having gone to college, I, I, I see the similarity. <laughs> No, I'm not a golfer. <laughs> anyway. I, 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 I think I'm pretty clear on golfer. <laughs> not even the slightest. <laughs> now, um, when I was in Toronto like three, four years ago, um, I went into what is now a grocery store, but formerly was the Maple Leaf Gardens, and they do have a little marker set there for where center ice was, the center ice face-off dot, and sort of, it's kind of hinted at that this is the old Maple Leaf Gardens, and I don't know what's worse. Tearing down a building with history or leaving it and doing that to it. You know? Leaving it and doing that to it, because, I mean, you know, the... I can't even think of the arena name, the the Seattle Metropolitans one, the Stanley oh, Cup in. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They have a marker there. Um, now it's a big old office building. Yeah. But, um, but, I mean, you know, that's tasteful. It's like this, this was the site of, you know, but actually leaving it and repurposing the building for something else when it's got such history. Uh I don't think that's good. You know, it's kind of like taking the kingdom and repurposing it as like a boat warehouse. Oh, no, wait. They did that pretty much every summer for the boat. Show. <laughs> it's like taking the kingdom and attempting to turn. No, they did that, too. No, no don't worry the kingdom, about the kingdom. So. The kingdom was was not worth yeah, keeping I'm around. Glad <laughs> the kingdom's gone. Yeah. Um, and it didn't set off any earthquakes. Um, <laughs> yeah, so... Oh, I remember those days when they the they'd always have a report on the news from the U from the University of Washington Seismology Department when the Seahawks <laughs> would play a football game, and there was a big play. You know, researchers at the or students at the University of Washington Seismology, you know, correlated this seismic event to when the Seahawks scored this touchdown on Monday Night Football. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, it, it does sit right on the um, Seattle fault, and I know we're like totally getting away from hockey here, but um, when they were going to implode the kingdom, which is exactly where CenturyLink is, um, they spent four months, geologists spent four months trying to decide if imploding it was going to set off an earthquake. <laughs> which is, you know, it's it's befitting. <laughs> it's befitting for that venue, right? Because it's always been a pain in everyone's butt and being able not to get rid of it would have been, you know, the perfect. Final. It would have been ideal. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. 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 I mean, you know, because it's the kingdom. It was so in terms of, of like junior hockey rinks, <laughs> um, I actually wouldn't, and it still exists, I wouldn't mind going to, I would kind of like to, I guess, um, go see the uh, Vancouver Giants play because they're still in Pacific Coliseum, right? Yes. And Pacific Coliseum was where the Canucks used to play. Yes. That's where I went to many a Rush concert, too. 
Yes. Yeah, that is an interesting drive. Through <laughs> East Vancouver. Um yeah, the uh the PNC was always was always an interesting venue. I'm okay with Rogers Place or Rogers Center, Rogers Arena, Rogers big building in the middle of Vancouver. Um Yeah, it's a hockey rink. Yeah. yeah. Um the Shark Tank was I, I'm just gonna wander through the arenas that I've been in and give my thumbs up, thumbs up. The, oh, you know another one that was on my list? Damn it. That was on my list that I purged because I thought it was gonna be nice. Was the Great Western Forum? Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. I I had been to a concert in the Great Western Forum, but never been there for a hockey game. And I kind of that's another one of those, you know, put me in that '70s era Marcel Dion era type Kings, and you know, the Forum Blue and Gold. I would have loved to have gone gone to see a game there before before it was Gretzkyized. See, now, a couple, if you're going to go with 70s era, I actually have been in, um, oh, what are they calling it now? I've been in the Hartford Civic Center. That's not what they're calling it now, though. The mall. Uh, the mall. You, they tore down the, the mall. mall. They tore, I know. tore down the mall, up the arena. But when I was there many, 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 many moons ago, um, the mall was still there, and it was literally... You could go wander through the mall. It was a shopping mall. It was it was exactly what you thought it would be. And then the arena was like um, a department store, <laughs> just at one end of the mall. <laughs> <laughs> We're anchored by Macy's at one end and the Hartford Whalers Arena at the other. Yes, it's exactly what it was. <laughs> so that's why they called it the mall, because it was literally a part of the mall, the shopping mall. The mall where you could go, you know, get your Reeboks and whatever. But um, anyway, so they've since torn down the mall, left the arena, and it's called um, XL Center, I think it is. Sounds uh, right. Yeah, XL Center. And I was just there last year uh, to go watch um, the uh, Hartford Wolfpack, HL. And that's also where, oh, UConn plays basketball. Half half the time. Yeah, well, yeah. They have all the banners in there anyway. Um, and then I've also been to, speaking of defunct NHL arenas, uh, Brendan Byrne Arena, the Meadowlands. 16W. 16 I'm like exit 16W 16, 16, oh my god it's so such a bitch to drive into the middle because <laughs> everything yeah. through there funnels you into Manhattan and mm-hmm. if you're not careful you end up in the Lincoln Tunnel <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's just such a pain which but, is funny yeah. I, I've, I've never been there but I've taken the Jersey Turnpike a number of times and you drive by and you're like oh those would be easy to get to yeah. And then I've only heard horror stories otherwise. No, it is not easy to get. To. It's easy to get to if you're coming from the north. If you're coming from the south, it routes you right into Manhattan. They suck you in with its purported ease of access. Yes. <laughs> and so, you know, it was exit 16W, which, you know, when Devils were winning cups there, they were like, ooh, 16W. Um, but it's a sea of parking lot. And, you know, they have what looks like 
avenues going through it to get from one side of the parking lot to the other. So you have Giant Stadium, you have their, was it Belmont Stakes that was there? There No, no. Um, No, it's a horse racing. Yeah, now the the, the name is, having lived in that region of the country, I actually used to know a thing about horse racing tracks for some god no uh, for popular they're reason. popular yeah they're they're also dives right except yeah. for that one weekend a year um what is it because belmont is out on the island yeah I, as soon as i said the words i knew that i was wrong um but the, yeah so those are the three things at the meadowlands is is the arena giant stadium and a horse racing track um and so there used to be <laughs> my sister and I when we lived out last time I lived out here she was living out here too we were both nannying and so we would there was this wood covered bridge over a four lane road which was basically getting from one side of the parking lot to the other and so we were leaving after an afternoon game and we started like mooing making mooing sounds like cows like cattle going being herded <laughs> And so everybody else started picking it up. (laughs) So we had this huge group of people going through this covered wooden bridge from one side of the parking lot to the other, and we're all mooing. (laughs) One of my my best friends at work is actually from that area and still is a massive Devils fan Mm -hmm. and would tell great stories about, you know, people doing that kind of stuff as they're, you know, exiting the arena and headed towards the parking lot. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I need to go down to uh, Newark. Uh, I'm thinking January, but I'm not sure yet. Um, and I've been in Phillips Arena, which is no longer called Phillips Arena. I really liked Phillips Arena, honestly. Um, it's a lot like um, like the, uh, um, I can't think of the name, the, where the Caps play. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Verizon Cap- Center. Cap One Center. Is it Cap One? It's the Verizon Center? Um, I think it's and, Verizon. Yeah, so Verizon and uh, the the arena in Nashville, and I can't think of that one right now either. Um, they're very similar. It's just different color schemes. But um, Phillips Arena in Atlanta, the inside of the arena is very similar to that. You don't have box seating around the um, arena between the lower deck and the upper deck. It's all on one wall. So it's not, that's not just the media wall. That's also the box seats. So um, on one side where you would have normally um, on the one long side behind the benches, you would have the lower bowl and then it would end and it would just be a wall of box seating for like, I don't know, like seven stories or something. Um, <clears throat> so it was always very interesting. It wasn't very well attended of course but um i really liked the arena and then the concourse was very much like going to a state fair they had it was very colorful and they had these like um clowns uh, and no, not clowns magicians <laughs> a, a, a clown could easily be camouflaged with the background of the seat colors yes you so, don't like those seat colors come on so that was that's my tour of the defunct arenas I've been. I might be missing one, but yeah. I did Joe Louis Arena once, and whew, 
it's fun to watch a game there, but man, that concourse is, uh, it was, uh, you were rubbing elbows with everybody. And I do mean everybody. <laughs> um, it, it was a unique experience compared to any other arena. And for that reason alone, I really enjoyed it. Um, it's kind of a shame that it's almost completely gone. I think they're gutting out the last remnants now to probably build a parking deck. <sighs> I, uh, Landover. I went to the Landover. Went to a Caps game in Landover. And went to a Flyers Rangers game in the Spectrum. Oh yeah, there is one. I was there after they they moved the year after they moved from the Spectrum into um, Wells Fargo. The Spectrum was still standing at that point, and they had yeah. the Rocky statue in front of it still. Yeah, and boy, let me tell you, I um, that was a take your life in your own hands moment for me because I had gone up there. <laughs> with my roommate at the University of Maryland who was from Brooklyn Uh-oh. a massive Rangers Uh-oh. fan Uh-oh. And wearing a jersey my, uh, he was wearing a jersey yes. that's, that's this, the mistake right there no, no, no. <laughs> and this is 1995 so they had just won the cup right so they were really flying high um, yeah they were in the finals because uh, the Devils won the cup in 95 no, yeah, coming was, off the 94 cup. It was after. Oh, okay, after, yeah, 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 so the Rangers, had, right, 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 right. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, so sorry. It, was after the, it was after the 94 cup, and he had his, um, the vanity plates, you know, <laughs> night, you know with the Rangers cup, because they'd started doing that stuff, too. And <clears throat> it was, it was, um, it was an experience. And what made it better was our seats were right in front of the GM's box. <laughs> or one Bobby Clark happened to be sitting. No relation. I'd love um, to point that out. No yeah, relation well, whatsoever. No relation. I've, done the, yes. I've done the genealogy. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I am not a reformed Flyers fan. God, to tell you how much fun that was because that was Eric Lindros. Mm-hmm. That was Eric Lindros starting to get eaten alive because he'd not done much of anything mm-hmm. in Philly. And... um. See, I was in Jersey at this. Oh, I was going man. to the Devils games at the same time. So, uh, yeah, I, I, this, I totally know This was uh, uh, Jeff Bukaboom scored the game-winning goal <laughs> on dressing half the, uh, half the Flyers' defense. Jeff Bukaboom, yes. Jeff and Bukaboom. potted a beautiful goal to win the game in the third period. And, boy, just I that was one of those moments I just sat back and witnessed what was going on around me because the Flyers fans were, were eating their own. The cat calls for Lindros and back up into Bobby and his box who just sat there. Gotta love the man, you know. This is the spectrum. It's not one of those where they have the the owner's box and some glass encased, you know, you know, terrarium of of rich or whatever. No, no. It's it was wide open. You could like turn right around and shake hands with him if you wanted to, or sock him, which I saw a couple of people try to do. Um, <laughs> but God love the man. He just sat there stoic, you know, just just uh, like you know, I'm Bobby Clark. You're not gonna hit me because I'll kill you type thing. Mm-hmm. But it, but oh my God, that was that was probably one of my favorite experiences because I you know I don't have a dog in a fight when it comes to hockey games. 
so you know i i that's that was exactly the year i i um became a um uh hab free you know i'm a recovering habaholic so mm-hmm. 1995 was the year I gave up my fandom and started enjoying and having that experience of just watching the interaction was just a blast because never once did we feel threatened, but there were some pretty good jives going back and forth. And and it was a close game most of the way, but there were a couple of plays where um Somebody should have, the fans thought that somebody should have stood up to the Rangers players, specifically Bukaboom and Messier and Graves, who were, you know, kind of doing their normal things, right? Mm-hmm. And nobody was, nobody was getting in their grills or anything. And, and, oh, oh God, when that final buzzer, oh, when that final buzzer went off, the, the booze cascading, people turning around and screaming at Clark and all the people yelling at Lindros and, Oh, it was so fun. <laughs> it was so fun. Yes, of all of of all of the, and I've been to a game at MSG, which I haven't done that yet. Amazingly enough, it feels sterile. I can believe that. No, I was there. I was there in ninety ninety five. Also, I was living um, twenty minutes north of the Bronx, and so. There was no way in hell we were going to get tickets to MSG, so that's why we went down to Jersey instead. Oh, yeah, that's what everybody did. Yeah. <laughs> yes, the same roommate that took me to the game in the Spectrum took me to a game in Jersey, and that was, I mean, not in Jersey at MSG, and that was like, I could see why he had more fun at the Flyers games, because we were at University of Maryland, so it's, you know, it's a short jump, short drive for us to get to either one of them. Um, I could see why he had more fun going to Flyers games. You know, when the Rangers would play the Flyers, because he could sit in there and, you know, give and get and give and get. And, you know, just kind of like hockey, the group of guys that were around us were digging into him most of the game. And I'm sitting there laughing and he's giving it back. And, you know, by the time third period rolls around, we're all figuring out where we're going to go have drinks afterwards. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you know, outside of the Shawns in Boston who like to fight with each other. Um, <laughs> My God, Boston fans. So Boston fans I, make Philly fans almost look reasonable. Yeah, and and speaking of Boston, that was another one on my list. The old Garden. God. I wanted to see that short little rink, right? Because that's one thing I complain about. Is I know we've talked on this before or touched on this before, but the the standardization of the sheets. You don't get those weird little buildings like Boston where they kind of had short corners and it caused you to play differently. And that's why, you know, it's part of the reason why they were the big, bad, big, bad Bruins say that five times fast or once slow. Um, (laughs) You know, they kind of could get in the corner and get on you a little bit because there was a less, there was less space to be had. Kind of miss those unique quirky little buildings. So speaking of quirky buildings in Boston, um, I actually had the old, it used to be known as Boston Arena, but it's called Matthews Arena. It's where Northeastern plays. Mm-hmm. Um, and to this day, it's still a 200 by 90 rink, and I kind of love that. Mm-hmm. Right? So you're saying I need to go? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. And, and it's kind of a, it's a dump. 
but it seems like uh, it has a cool yeah but it sounds like it has a cool reputation for like a fun atmosphere and, and i like watching games and like really compact buildings so i think they probably get less than five thousand for a capacity crowd and that kind of environment just sounds like a lot of fun yeah the old mercer arena where yeah. the thunderbirds played for a long time was kind of one of those half um half seating buildings almost <laughs> you know like they didn't have seats that went all the way around the arena because or the rink because the rink was too big yeah so they just sort of had like a row of seats on one side and then you know multiple rows on the other side it's kind of like syracuse how how uh um, Pat, how Syracuse just didn't have seating in the back on one end. Yeah, well, yeah, like that. The, it's coming. The dome like that. seats, you know, fifty-eight thousand for for you know a football game, and instead of throwing the court in the middle, they kind of cap it off. Um, yeah, it, and it's cool if you're on the bleacher side because what you see just looks. I mean, you're just staring up at what should be like three tiers of uh, of a building but then when when you're sitting in the upper decks it's really weird when you can see the football field and the stuff that kind of happens behind the scenes oh no no i'm not talking syracuse university i'm talking um um the war memorial oh oh where you still have the stage yeah oh only yeah. without the stage that's that's kind of how because when i went to um my first game in syracuse at, at the war memorial in 95 um that's what it reminded me of it reminded me of mercer arena it's like i was looking around going huh i just came 3,000 miles just to be in mercer arena again (laughs) this seems vaguely familiar it's kind of strange they were also the uh oh syracuse they were the connects farm team at that point in time yep uh, this would have been early to mid nineties then. Yes. 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 I was there. there uh, uh, yeah. Back when, I mean, they probably went 15, 20 years without a franchise there for a while. And then the early nineties, uh, they came back at that point. And that's, that's actually where I saw my first hockey game was the war memorial. You'd fit right in at the old Mercer arena. Yeah, Mercer Arena was very similar to that. I I, I literally like a, November of '94 was my last WHL game that I'd been to, and that was at Mercer Arena. And then the the NHL lockout was going on, and I think it was December, maybe it was January of '95. I'd gone up to my sister and I'd gone up to Syracuse and went to the War Memorial. So it was like literally months between the two same hockey season <laughs> so i'm like oh hey. yeah well and then because it was um the lockout and um it was the ahl there was a lot of whl players there so we were following around the guys that we knew and seen in the whl so yeah that was fun so <clears throat> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna iceberg this whole thing and completely throw the show into reverse from Arena Chat. Shea Weber, last night, Saturday, November 10th, mm-hmm. did a rebound shot from his own shot. <laughs> shot it hard enough 
It deflected off a player in front, went up, came down, pretty much right to him again, and he launched a one-timer and scored off of that shot. I want to see more three-dimensional thinking in hockey, damn it. So so he was playing he was playing uh the puck like he was playing basketball. A, a, a little bit, a little bit, you know, the first shot, someone was brave enough to get in front of it and block it, and it pretty much deflected it up and came right back down to him. And and I think just before it got to the ice, he'd already wound up and one-timed that rebound, and it was a thing of beauty. And it, I want more three-dimensional thinking. I want to, you know, after the, the, um, the Svechnikov, lacrosse goal i will not call it the michigan goal because somebody did it before that um i want to see you know like like some of the stuff that ovi was trying to do in the the trick shootout thing in the all-star game where he was sort of lifting it and then swinging at it you know like a bunt or a bat like adding it that kind of stuff i want to see if players can start thinking that way because it's pretty clear that the the union of goaltenders for hockey are f- entirely too strong and in bed with some mafiosa somewhere because we'll <laughs> never get equipment that doesn't look, you know, like they're a freaking transformer. So how can we increase scoring without... See, I, I've always wondered, so having played both basketball and hockey, I've always wondered why more people didn't try to translate basketball plays into hockey because a lot of it is set up in in very similar ways and you have the board so you could also like play a little bit of like pool in that you know we are bouncing things off and and you know rebound you know bouncing things off of things up like basketball and boards and I've always wondered that too because I I've I mean again I've played both and I'm like why don't more people play like that that just seems you know, and maybe it's because everybody's taught how to play hockey, so they're taught how to think about hockey, so they don't think about it in from an outside-the-box kind of way, because that's not the way they were taught. I don't know, but... I mean, yeah. the most the most outside-the-box thing was, wasn't it Detroit that... It was Detroit or Anaheim, I think. It was one of those two that that sort of first started leveraging the end boards because there were some lively end boards, so they would intentionally shoot wide to, you know, pass by end board, intentionally shoot wide to kick the puck out in front of the net, you know, or or get it, you know, behind the goaltender, not the other side, because there was no direct passing lane. But I succinctly remember back back when I used to watch the hockey, players had no problem bank passes. You know, the the death of the bank passes. Bizarre. Yeah. It's bizarre. I don't get and, it. Either. And and there's a couple of teams they did a they did a pack on Hockey Night in Canada, I want to say two weeks ago, where they were showing, I think it was the Habs, a couple players using the bank pass, and it was just like opening up a whole new world for them offensively. And it's like, well, duh, everything old is new again, I guess. But come on, start thinking three dimensionally. I don't want to ever hear, we need to increase the size of the nets. That's a load of crap. Make the posts smaller. <sighs> You've got sure. indestructible material that you can make smaller posts. And oh, by the way, instead of making them round, make them oval. 
So I'm about to quit my job and start up a specialty hockey school just to teach these trick things. And uh, <laughs> I'm looking though. <laughs> well, that's what they'll be packaged as because that's what all the all all the players will think because they won't know any better. Right. right. See, I might as well call it a magic school for for hockey players. <gasps> oh, there you go. There you go. Oh, but and, then it's going to be banned by Don Cherry. Uh, uh, we're not going down that rabbit hole. <laughs> no, you people aren't taking me there. Nope, not going to do it. So to, to revert us back on track, the first time in the history Please. of this show, I'm getting back <laughs> on track. Um, I want to see someone try a lacrosse move. And, and you've seen this kind of in shootout competitions where they pick up the puck and then they bank it in. Either yes. off the ice, go five hole. I want to see that during, you know, five on five. Five. Actually, I want to see it during a power play. Yes. Yes. You see, and, the and, yes. What I were... can't figure out is is so if you have time to shoot the puck, and I, you you know that these guys can like, the good shooters can get it within a couple inches of where they want it, at least. It's like why aren't they? Shooting it off the crossbar, banking it off the back of the goalie and in. Trying something. I mean, you ha- if you have something. time to shoot and you can, like, sit there and take aim, then why the hell aren't you doing that kind of crap? Because that just makes too much sense. Or why, would, years. or why wouldn't you create a pop fly that would yes. land about five feet in front of the crease so the goalie can't necessarily reach out and just snag it with his glove or if he does he he's getting lit up um but just something like that like i've been trying in my in my beer league games just to kind of flub one in the air and see what happens yeah you just the alley-oop right you just sort of lob one in and you know just where the goalie that no man's land right yeah where the goalie can't come out because he's at risk of opening up everything else but you know, it's you know it's that that ten foot area, right? It's it's sort of that ten foot area. He can't come out because it's in that weird area, and you just and he, you can too far away in. for him to cover it. And yeah, you got defense guys like, can't quite grab it. You got guys like Leon Drysaddle who have canoe paddles who could easily start bunting these things in. Yeah, I mean they're not doing like a lot of stick checks at this point, you know, no. with with the curves and stuff. I mean, I can't remember the last time that someone got caught with an illegal curve on their stick. <laughs> um, there was one not too long ago. There was one not too long ago, and it caused a stink because some old hockey men said that wasn't that wasn't kosher to do. Be- because time. it was all about when they did it. Yeah, it was not kosher to do at the time they did it. Yeah. Yeah, they they waited until the opportune moment. Yeah. But yeah, that's another thing that nobody like, you know, you have coaches challenges for offsides and all this stuff, but nobody's calling players out for illegal curves on their sticks. And what happened to the illegal equipment while we're at it? Yeah. You know, the the visor that was not up every time I look at Sean Monahan. Um the, the uh the uh you know what what's the grumpy guy in the islander? Who? Well, they, you know, lose, lose a finish boy. Oh. Um, 
uh, Komarov. Yes, thank you. Oh my God, Uncle him Leo. and Nick Cronwell were were you know, you know, uh, most wanted number one and number two for the whole visor thing, and then the jersey talk is yeah. completely gone by the wayside. Oh, yeah. Who cares? Oh, it, oh, it's because Alex Simon's no longer in the league. Excuse me. Mm. <sighs> oh God, yeah, he was pretty much the only one that got nailed for it, wasn't he? The only person yes. who was ever called. And he was called twice, once in a preseason game, once in yeah. a regular season game. Yeah. <laughs> and they call us crazy. <laughs> That's right. Let them have it. Let them have it. You tell that league where to take their things and do things with them. Um, <laughs> no, the, the reason the Shea Weber thing came up is because my response was... Um, for any Futurama fans out there, it's Blurton's ball. You know, third ball locked, and then the batter's up there, and it's just, you got cannons shooting balls at him from anywhere. It's, you know, what's the evolution, the wacky evolution of this game going to look like when people, maybe this is our question. <laughs> what's, what's one weird thing you would love to introduce to hockey? Make it legal, that would just, Flip the game on its head. Is it? Is it? You, you know, I'll, I'll start jotting my notes down now because. I, uh, okay, I, since I've not. Yeah, I've been thinking about this all my life. You know, <laughs> since I've not contributed a question in a while, I think I'm going to pull a shoot and say, "Let's do this." What is one completely off the wall change to the rules of hockey you would make that would completely evolve the game in a weird way follow us on twitter at 3v3 podcast this has been the 3v3 podcast sponsored by nobody